Chapter 1, Part 2 of The Quest of the Historical Jesus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Quest of the Historical Jesus by Albert Schweitzer. Translated by William Montgomery. Chapter 1, Part 2 The Problem. The personal character of the study is not only due, however, to the fact that a personality can only be awakened to life by the touch of a personality, it lies in the essential nature of the problem itself. For the problem of the life of Jesus has no analogue in the field of history. No historical school has ever laid down canons for the investigation of this problem. No professional historian has ever lent his aid to theology in dealing with it. Every ordinary method of historical investigation proves inadequate to the complexity of the conditions. The standards of ordinary historical science are here inadequate, its methods not immediately applicable. The historical study of the life of Jesus has had to create its own methods for itself. In the constant succession of unsuccessful attempts, five or six problems have emerged side by side which together constitute the fundamental problem. There is, however, no direct method of solving the problem in its complexity. All that can be done is to experiment continuously, starting from definite assumptions, and in this experimentation the guiding principle must ultimately rest upon historical intuition. The cause of this lies in the nature of the sources of the life of Jesus, and in the character of our knowledge of the contemporary religious world of thought. It is not that the sources are in themselves bad. When we have once made up our minds that we have not the materials for a complete life of Jesus, but only for a picture of his public ministry, it must be admitted that there are few characters of antiquity about whom we possess so much indubitably historical information, of whom we have so many authentic discourses, the position is much more favorable, for instance, than in the case of Socrates, for he is pictured to us by literary men who exercised their creative ability upon the portrait. Jesus stands much more immediately before us, because he was depicted by simple Christians without literary gift. But at this point there arises a twofold difficulty. There is first the fact that what has just been said applies only to the first three Gospels, while the fourth, as regards its character, historical data, and discourse material, forms a world of its own. It is written from the Greek standpoint, while the first three are written from the Jewish. And even if one could get over this and regard, as has often been done, the synoptics and the fourth Gospel as standing in something of the same relation to one another as Xenophon does to Plato as sources for the life of Socrates, yet the complete irreconcilability of the historical data would compel the critical investigator to decide from the first in favor of one source or the other. Once more it is found true that no man can serve two masters. This stringent dilemma was not recognized from the beginning. Its emergence is one of the results of the whole course of experiment. The second difficulty regarding the sources is the want of any thread of connection in the material which they offer us. While the synoptics are only collections of anecdotes, 
in the best historical sense of the word, the Gospel of John, as stands on record in its closing words, only professes to give a selection of the events and discourses. From these materials we can only get a life of Jesus with yawning gaps. How are these gaps to be filled? At the worst with phrases, at the best with historical imagination. There is really no other means of arriving at the order and interconnection of the facts of the life of Jesus than the making and testing of hypotheses. If the tradition preserved by the synoptists really includes all that happened during the time that Jesus was with his disciples, the attempt to discover the connection must succeed sooner or later. It becomes more and more clear that this presupposition is indispensable to the investigation. If it is merely a fortuitous series of episodes that the evangelists have handed down to us, we may give up the attempt to arrive at a critical reconstruction of the life of Jesus as hopeless. But it is not only the events which lack historical connection. We are without any indication of a thread of connection in the actions and discourses of Jesus, because the sources give no hint of the character of his self-consciousness. They confine themselves to outward facts. We only begin to understand these historically when we can mentally place them in an intelligible connection and conceive them as the acts of a clearly defined personality. All that we know of the development of Jesus and his messianic self-consciousness has been arrived at by a series of working hypotheses. Our conclusions can only be considered valid so long as they are not found incompatible with the recorded facts as a whole. It may be maintained by the aid of arguments drawn from the sources that the self-consciousness of Jesus underwent a development during the course of his public ministry. It may, with equally good grounds, be denied. For in both cases, the arguments are based upon little details in the narrative in regard to which we do not know whether they are purely accidental or whether they belong to the essence of the facts. In each case, moreover, the experimental working out of the hypothesis leads to a conclusion which compels the rejection of some of the actual data of the sources. Each view equally involves a violent treatment of the text. Furthermore, the sources exhibit, each within itself, a striking contradiction. They assert that Jesus felt himself to be the Messiah, and yet, from their presentation of his life, it does not appear that he ever publicly claimed to be so. They attribute to him, that is, an attitude which has absolutely no connection with the consciousness which they assume that he possessed. But once admit that the outward acts are not the natural expression of the self-consciousness, and all exact historical knowledge is at an end, we have to do with an isolated fact which is not referable to any law. This being so, the only way of arriving at a conclusion of any value is to experiment, to test, by working them out, the two hypotheses, that Jesus felt himself to be the Messiah, as the sources assert, or that he did not feel himself to be so, as his conduct implies, or else to try to conjecture what kind of messianic consciousness his must have been, if it left his conduct and his discourses unaffected. For one thing is certain, 
the whole account of the last days at jerusalem would be unintelligible if we had to suppose that the mass of the people had a shadow of a suspicion that jesus held himself to be the messiah again whereas in general a personality is to some extent defined by the world of thought which it shares with its contemporaries in the case of jesus this source of information is as unsatisfactory as the documents what was the nature of the contemporary jewish world of thought to that question no clear answer can be given we do not know whether the expectation of the messiah was generally current or whether it was the faith of a mere sect with the mosaic religion as such it had nothing to do there was no organic connection between the religion of legal observance and the future hope further if the eschatological hope was generally current was it the prophetic or the apocalyptic form of that hope we know the messianic expectations of the prophets we know the apocalyptic picture as drawn by daniel and following him by enoch and the psalms of solomon before the coming of jesus and by the apocalypses of ezra and baruch about the time of the destruction of jerusalem but we do not know which was the popular form nor supposing that both were combined into one picture what this picture really looked like we know only the form of eschatology which meets us in the gospels and in the pauline epistles that is to say the form which it took in the christian community in consequence of the coming of jesus and to combine these three the prophetic the late jewish apocalyptic and the christian has not proved possible even supposing we could obtain more exact information regarding the popular messianic expectations at the time of jesus we should still not know what form they assumed in the self-consciousness of one who knew himself to be the messiah but held that the time was not yet come for him to reveal himself as such we only know their aspect from without as a waiting for the messiah and the messianic age we have no clue to their aspect from within as factors in the messianic self-consciousness we possess no psychology of the messiah the evangelists have nothing to tell us about it because jesus told them nothing about it the sources for the contemporary spiritual life inform us only concerning the eschatological expectation for the form of the messianic self-consciousness of jesus we have to fall back upon conjecture such is the character of the problem and as a consequence historical experiment must here take the place of historical research that being so it is easy to understand that to take a survey of the study of the life of jesus is to be confronted at first sight with a scene of the most boundless confusion a series of experiments are repeated with constantly varying modifications suggested by the results furnished by the subsidiary sciences most of the writers however have no suspicion that they are merely repeating an experiment which has often been made before some of them discover this in the course of their work to their own great astonishment it is so for instance with vreda who recognizes that he is working out though doubtless with a clearer consciousness of his aim an idea of bruno bowers if old Rimaris were to come back again he might confidently give himself out to be the latest of the moderns 
for his work rests upon a recognition of the exclusive importance of eschatology such as only recurs again in johannes weiss progress too is curiously fitful with long intervals of marking time between the advances from strauss down to the nineties there was no real progress if one takes into consideration only the complete lives of jesus which appeared but a number of separate problems took a more clearly defined form so that in the end the general problem suddenly moved forward as it seemed with a jerk there is really no common standard by which to judge the works with which we have to do it is not the most orderly narratives those which weave in conscientiously every detail of the text which have advanced the study of the subject but precisely the eccentric ones those that take the greatest liberties with the text it is not by the mass of facts that a writer sets down alongside of one another as possible because he writes easily and there is no one there to contradict him and because facts on paper do not come into collision so sharply as they do in reality it is not in that way which he shows his power of reconstructing history but by that which he recognizes as impossible the constructions of Reimarus and Bruno Bauer have no solidity, they are mere products of the imagination. But there is much more historical power in their clear grasp of a single definite problem which has blinded them to all else than there is in the circumstantial works of Beyschlag and Bernard Weiss. But once one has accustomed oneself to look for certain definite landmarks amid this apparent welter of confusion, one begins at last to discover in vague outline the course followed and the progress made by the critical study of the life of jesus it falls immediately into two periods that before strauss and that after strauss the dominant interest in the first is the question of miracle what terms are possible between a historical treatment and the acceptance of supernatural events with the advent of Strauss, this problem found a solution, viz., that these events have no rightful place in the history, but are simply mythical elements in the sources. The way was thus thrown open. Meanwhile, alongside of the problem of the supernatural, other problems had been dimly apprehended. Reimarus had drawn attention to the contemporary eschatological views. Haza, in his first Life of Jesus, in 1829, had sought to trace a development in the self-consciousness of Jesus. But on this point a clear view was impossible, because all the students of the subject were still basing their operations upon the harmony of the synoptics and the fourth gospel, which means that they had not so far felt the need of a historically intelligible outline of the life of Jesus. Here, too, Strauss was the light-bringer, but the transient illumination was destined to be obscured by the Markan hypothesis, which now came to the front. Footnote. In the author's usage, the Markan hypothesis means the theory that the Gospel of Mark is not only the earliest and most valuable source for the facts, but differs from the other Gospels in embodying a more or less clear and historically intelligible view of the connection of events see chapters 10 and 14 below translator and footnote 
the necessity of choosing between john and the synoptists was first fully established by the tubingen school and the right relation of this question to the markan hypothesis was subsequently shown by holtzmann while these discussions of the preliminary literary questions were in progress the main historical problem of the life of jesus was slowly rising into view the question began to be mooted what was the significance of eschatology for the mind of jesus with this problem was associated in virtue of an inner connection which was not at first suspected the problem of the self-consciousness of jesus at the beginning of the nineties it was generally felt that in the solution given to this dual problem an in some measure assured knowledge of the outward and inward course of the life of jesus had been reached at this point Johannes Weiss revived the comprehensive claim of Rimaris on behalf of eschatology, and scarcely had criticism adjusted its attitude to this question when Breda renewed the attempt of Bauer and Volkmar to eliminate altogether the messianic element from the life of Jesus. We are now once more in the midst of a period of great activity in the study of the subject. On one side we are offered a historical solution, on the other a literary the question at issue is is it possible to explain the contradiction between the messianic consciousness of jesus and his non-messianic discourses and actions by means of a conception of his messianic consciousness which will make it appear that he could not have acted otherwise than as the evangelists describe or must we endeavor to explain the contradiction by taking the non-messianic discourses and actions as our fixed point denying the reality of his messianic self-consciousness, and regarding it as a later interpolation of the beliefs of the Christian community into the life of Jesus. In the latter case, the evangelists are supposed to have attributed these messianic claims to Jesus because the early church held him to be the Messiah, but to have contradicted themselves by describing his life as it actually was, viz. as the life of a prophet, not of one who held himself to be the messiah to put it briefly does the difficulty of explaining the historical personality of jesus lie in the history itself or only in the way in which it is represented in the sources this alternative will be discussed in all the critical studies of the next few years once clearly posed it compels a decision but no one can really understand the problem who has not a clear notion of the way in which it has shaped itself in the course of the investigation no one can justly criticize or appraise the value of new contributions to the study of this subject unless he knows in what forms they have been presented before the history of the study of the life of jesus has hitherto received surprisingly little attention Hase, in his first Life of Jesus of 1829, briefly records the previous attempts to deal with the subject. Friedrich von Amon, himself one of the most distinguished students in this department, in his Progress of Christianity, gives some information regarding, quote, the most notable biographies of Jesus of the last fifty years, close quote. In the year 1865, Ulhorn treated together the lives of jesus of renan schenkel and strauss in eighteen seventy six hase in his history of jesus 
gave the only complete literary history of the subject. In 1892, Ulhorn extended his former lecture to include the works of Keim, Delf, Beschlag, and Weiss. In 1898, Franzen described, in a short essay, the progress of the study since Strauss. In 1899 and 1900, Baldensperger gave, in the Theologische Rundschau, a survey of the most recent publications. Weinel's book, Jesus in the Nineteenth Century, naturally only gives an analysis of a few classical works. Otto Schmiedel's lecture on the main problems of the critical study of the life of Jesus, in 1902, merely sketches the history of the subject in broad outline. Apart from scattered notices in histories of theology, this is practically all for the literature of the subject. There is room for an attempt to bring order into the chaos of the lives of Jesus. Haza made ingenious comparisons between them, but he was unable to group them according to inner principles or to judge them justly. Weiss is, for him, a feebler descendant of Strauss. Bruno Bauer is the victim of a fantastic imagination. It would indeed have been difficult for Haza to discover in the works of his time any principle of division. But now, when the literary and eschatological methods of solution have led to complementary results, when the post-Straussian period of investigation seems to have reached a provisional close, and the goal to which it has been tending has become clear, the time seems ripe for the attempt to trace genetically in the successive works the shaping of the problem as it now confronts us, and to give a systematic historical account of the critical study of the life of Jesus. Our endeavor will be to furnish a graphic description of all the attempts to deal with the subject, and not to dismiss them with stock phrases or traditional labels, but to show clearly what they really did to advance the formulation of the problem, whether their contemporaries recognized it or not. In accordance with this principle, many famous lives of Jesus, which have prolonged an honored existence through many successive editions, will make but a poor figure, while others, which have received scant notice, will appear great. Behind success comes truth, and her reward is with her. End of chapter 1